Hi, everybody. Welcome. We have a fabulous interview coming up today with Carl Johan Kalleman. And this is something that has really not been looked into very much in the whole story of the year of the great COVID pandemic. And that is the underlying consciousness that allows for something like this in all its dimensions and all its effects on humanity to take place. And I think that that is the overarching and most important story because it's leading us to something better in the end. But we've got a lot to trip through between now and then. So let's go to Carl. Carl, thank you so much. I haven't seen you for a couple years since we were on the Gaia set together. And we're going to be doing that again. We're doing this interview and we're going to continue the conversation a little later this summer in the Gaia studios. Welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, great to be back with you. And uh, I, I think it's great if we can continue because there are many aspects of this to cover. Yes. But, yeah. You said we need more than an hour. I totally agree. So we're going to do that um, because your work has a lot of depth to it. And a lot of people covered uh, 2012 and the Mayan calendar and had their various spins on it. But you've spent the last 20 years of your life after a career um, in the laboratory, basically, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Mm -hmm. And that might also, because you have a background in a PhD in the physical sciences and biology, it might also, we might even coax you into talking a little bit about your perception about what this notion of the virus is or isn't beyond the waves of consciousness, okay? We'll see if we get to that in this interview. If not, we'll get to it at Gaia, okay? Great. Okay, good. So first of all, your background is in understanding on very deep levels the Mayan calendar. And your latest book, which is The Nine Waves of Creation, has to do with cycles and waves of consciousness. And we're in a very interesting one night right now that I find is overlaying with Vedic astrology, Western astrology, Hermeticism. Um, it doesn't really matter what take you get. You're looking at a similar pattern on the curve. So let's start out in talking about the precision of the mathematics that you so love as a scientist that the Mayan calendar brings to us. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there, there is a, m many of the aspects that, that people have uh, come to know about the Mayan calendar uh, and the Mayan worldview in ancient times really w were shared all over the world in ancient times. You know, just to give two examples, all over the world people talk about the tree of life. And you might say all over the world people talk about serpents as creator gods. So that's, that's ancient philosophy, you might say. But there is one reason that has attracted me to the Maya and that to devote so much uh, studies to them, and that is the fact that they described in mathematical terms what they saw as the evolution of the universe. And um, suddenly then, when you have numbers, you have something different. You have an inroad to what you would call science. And if you then start to look at how they study these waves in their calendars, uh, you can see, look at these precise movement in time. And then you can ask yourself, does this really fit into what we, from a modern perspective, would look upon as the evolution of the universe? And that's what I have found and, and uh, developed in a series of, of books. And that's also then why, you know, first people might wonder, why study the Maya? You know, it's the people or maybe 10 million people or something like that. But there are two reasons. One is that it's sort of the, the, the highest intellectual level of any Native American culture. It was sort of like the, like the Greek used to be the highest of, of Europe. The Maya were the same for uh, the Americas. Um, and the second reason is exactly that, that it, it, they provide numbers. And that means that it's not just a philosophy, but something we can test, something we can, uh, um, uh, yeah, it, it provides a, a, a scientific uh, uh, level of, of our understanding. 
Yes, and so when we're talking about it in the context of today's conversation, you're referring to it as this kind of serpentine sine wave type of energy that indicates large cycles of time or baktuns um, in the Mayan cosmology. And you have graphs in your documents and in your books that show where certain civilizations have risen and where they have fallen according to the sine wave in these Bakhtuns, but each of these waves, it sounds like, is giving order to a potential for a certain type of consciousness to be expressed at that time in history. And then we also have choices to, as to how we're going to engage with it, right? I would say so. And that's, uh, it, you know, what, what I look upon the, the Mayan heritage is like an embryo to a quantum theory in contrast to the uh, other astrological systems of the world, which is really based on Newtonian physics, if you want to make that distinction. So, and um, that's, that's very important, the, the quantum aspects, because <clears throat> That means that it, things are not determined by the quantum state, the cosmic quantum states that inform our minds and so forth. We, we can't, may not be able to avoid being informed by these quantum states, but it's not determined. We, we do have a choice, and that's always been a, something that's been pointed out as a characteristic of quantum science in contrast to Newtonian science and the kind of astrologies that have been developed around those. Yes, and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this today is because I've literally been going through a little bit of an existential crisis myself. Um, normally, I'm I'm fairly cl I'm clear-headed, you know. I I feel I can perceive into energies. That's my my thing is to perceive into energies, even if it takes a while to sort it through a little bit more logically. Um, and I was noticing that the the streams of behavior and information that are occurring right now are totally incoherent with what I'm perceiving. And so it puts you at odds with people. <laughs> it can put you at odds yeah. kind of with everybody and sometimes even yourself saying, what's going on? Well, this is what we're going to work toward in this conversation because one thing that really intrigued me about your article and the reason I reached out and said, let's do this thing now, Carl, is that it touches into what, where on that wave of consciousness, mistrust and paranoia start seeping into civilizations to create a, a collective conspiratorial mindset, which becomes the end of a civil of, of a culture or civilization. It leads to a downfall. We're there now. In my opinion, we're there. Now, we're at that point. We can determine where we're going to go. So we're going to work our way toward that. But that's why I wanted. I feel this conversation is so important, is this cognitive dissonance that's happening from every angle. First of all, tell me, just to reflect on that, your perception of what you see going on out there, what you're experiencing. Yeah, I think I can relate to that. The <clears throat> Uh, well, first of all, my background in this is really that there are several different waves, nine different waves to be precise. And sometimes those waves, and this has only been the case since 2011. In other words, there is this inscription fr from the Maya, from ancient times, saying that at that point in time, all the nine waves will be available. First yeah. time in history, and to some extent, they have opposing effects. And so, I think I can relate to what you're saying. It's hard to navigate the world in a new way. And, you know, I've had, you know, politically speaking, I've had a sort of little bit of a left-leaning direction in my views, but that doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for me just to apply that to the current situation as, and have my already preset ideas about this should be that or something like that, because now 
I, I find myself at, at odds sometimes with both sides. And uh, what, what that means is that it really is a, a challenge to have your oops, sorry, sorry have your own uh, navigation have your own compass and uh, and uh, it's not what it used to be um, i i hope that speaks to what's the same thing right it's exactly what i'm saying and what you, what i just heard you say prior to this is for the first time we're having access to all nine waves of the potential of each level of consciousness but we are and we're going to get to this toward the end of the interview and reinforce it later in the Gaia interview but it's all leading toward an amazing opportunity and I personally have been tapped into that opportunity the opportunity yep. of the times for so many years feeling this coming that I'm get I find it a little distressing to find this mental jousting, this mental, emotional, social jousting from both sides that is uh, very incomplete. Both sides are very incomplete and starting to hang on to agendas that aren't even serving people's own positions anymore out of some kind of familiarity. And we're going to get to that in a moment because we do cling to what's familiar when our world's falling apart. On these conscious levels of unconscious levels, yes, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. So let, let's go into let's kind of back up in the story just a little bit. I've jumped forward. We're going to pick it up. Uh, okay. to kind of a tease, you might say, I guess, inadvertently. Um, now we were talking about this whole notion of the understanding of the plumed serpent, as you call it, which is um, the sine wave of consciousness and of creation. But the Judeo-Christian cultures were the ones that never bought into it. What is the implication or ramification of our kind of dominant Western world religions and cultures having not bought into this, this larger, longer understanding of cycles and waves of consciousness? Yeah, it's tremendously consequential at this time, and it hasn't really been consequential as we have been aware anyway. And, you know, the, in ancient times, People all over the world basically believed in this serpent, and or as in China, the serpentine dragons, and in in Amazonas, the tribes they believed that it was the great anaconda that created the humans, and um, in, in, in among the Maya or the Mexicans in Aztecs, it was the plumed serpent, and so it's hard to believe that this was just be some kind of a fantasy that they had. And in Asian cultures and religions as well. Yeah, yeah. But what comes up now is really that this, you know, we've all probably read this story in Genesis of Yahweh, the, the, the Jewish God that later became the Christian God, how he has this standoff with the serpent, really. And it, curses the, 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 the serpent. And uh, that's then what became the, some kind of a religious fundament for uh, Western uh, civilization. And, you know, the problem with the serpent, and I can understand to some extent why, why this was, is that it goes up and down. And ancient times, people said, it's yin and yang, it's shifting, and what comes up must come down, and so forth. But then through this uh, making, you know, if I would interpret it, I, basically they created a god in their own image, a, a human god, kind of, who says, uh, rejects the serpent, and that idea of, of evolution being driven by waves. Um, then that, um, yeah, then, then it really uh, fostered a belief in, the, in an enormous power of the human individual, even at the expense of the actual processes that drive the evolution of nature in, in its entirety. That, that makes sense because it would provide a certainty. If you worship and obey me, I can keep order in your world. When in fact, no being of any kind has, <laughs> has control over the order of waves of consciousness and rise and fall of consciousness. Exactly, yeah. And so 
So I would say, you know, because that's part of what is happening now, that because of this rejection of, of the serpent that was, you know, among the Christians even became the, the, qualified as the devil or something like that. The serpent was a real bad thing. Because of that, it's very hard for us to, realize, to, uh, to accept that maybe there is a downturn, at least on one level of consciousness. And uh, we, we expect everything to go sort of linearly forward um, without uh, considering how the universe has actually been uh, evolving through wave-like movements. And, and of course, you know, people have wondered about why did this culture disappear? Why did the Maya disappear? And these kind of things. And uh, they would have said, because the plumed serpent abandoned us, and we have a text from the Maya that, that says exactly that. That's how they perceived it. But we can't, we, we have a hard time with this uh, uh, aspect of, of reality. Indeed, because we have no control over it. But we right. do have a choice as to how we're going to participate, in, participate and evolve collectively and individually within it. And that's really the key part that we're going to be slamming into. We already are slamming into, but as the world starts waking back up again and looking around and seeing what's happened, it's going to require a huge amount of emotional and mental maturity and adjustment to move into the more beautiful aspect of this. So mm -hmm. let's, go, let's go back into this. So in the Mayan tradition, Quetzalcoatl was seen as the daytime. It was seen at the top of the wave where certain civilizations, which we'll get into in a moment, were seen at their peak, rising to their peak. And I cannot not the pronounce the name of the nighttime complement of Quetzalcoatl, so will you please say it for us? Tezcatlipoca. That's why I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Tezcatlipoca, say it again. Tezcatlipoca. Tezcatlipoca. Okay. Or the smoking mirror, if you would uh, translate to English, yeah. This is the being of the night, which yes. is what happens when we go down in the wave pattern in consciousness. And so let's take a look at this processing unit. Okay, first of all, our mind, the way you describe it in here is exactly the way I see it. Uh, this is a processing unit, which is going to be literally interfacing with the waves of consciousness that we're bathed within. Okay, so this processing unit has a chance to tap in on any of these waves as it is capable of or as it intends to do, right? Yes. So, let's go back now and look at what happened more historically before we get to today. And that has to do with civilizations. I was looking at uh, this particular wave here that talks about the rise and fall. Everybody can see this graph here of certain civilizations. And you, we have the old kingdom in Egypt, for example. So maybe you want to go ahead and riff for a moment on the high times of what the old kingdom in Egypt had to offer. Well, that's the time... Um, <clears throat> when the the uh, pharaonic uh, um, uh, egypt was really founded the, when it became a nation under one pharaoh and you know they symbolized that uh, formation by the unification of upper and lower egypt and they looked upon it as a creation by the gods i think that's very important to to think of they didn't say that Oh, this Pharaoh created it. No, the Pharaoh downloaded the, the Horus symbol and became divine, and, and that's how they created it. And then that became the beginning of, of uh, uh, this uh, fantastic Egyptian uh, uh, <clears throat> civilization. And at that time, they started to build... Uh, um, uh, um, uh, pyramids and uh, uh, cities and uh, 
developed calendars, started to uh, use numerals, uh, um, started writing, and, and all of those things make sense if you look upon it as a quantum shift that changed the minds of people in such a way that they got completely new capabilities. And that's the birth of civilization, really, that part, particular point in time, I, I, I would say. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Yes, and there was a continuation on that theme, um, really more to go back and recapture and preserve it, that happened again, as we can see on this graph. If we look at uh, the Middle Kingdom, or the dynasty that really peaked in the time of Akhenaten and Nefertiti, for example, which is a very controversial period of history, some feel um, fraught with this kind of behavior we're seeing today, <laughs> conspiracy and the like, where yeah. at the same time you had uh, an individual that was trying to uphold the very highest levels of consciousness, cosmic consciousness, which did become a threat to the people. But you see, that's right at the very top, that 1350 AD. Yeah pop at that particular wave. How yeah. did you see that characterized? Well, uh, <clears throat> the, the, this first peak was then only the beginning of the civilization. And Egypt was, you know, so is one of the most long-lasting of, of civilizations on our planet. And you might say it took until the midpoint of this whole wave in 550 until the Persians came and conquered uh, Egypt and then was taken over by Alexander. It became Greece or something like that. Right. It's an, an amazingly long uh, uh, trajectory of, of 2,500 years. But it had its ups and downs, and I don't, I'm not quite qualified to talk about all of these intermediate periods and etc., uh, etc. Et but, but yes, there was the new kingdom, and, and where it suddenly flourished once again and became something uh, much more uh, close to our own time, I would say, uh, or... or uh, uh, compared to the earliest, you know, the earliest, uh, it's still a tremendous mystery, the whole thing of building the big pyramids and, and so forth. We, we can't, we, can, we cannot fathom that uh, no matter what, so to speak. Yeah. But, but then later, you know, we, and, and, uh, we, we can grasp more of it. And Cleopatra, she was the last of the, the, <clears throat> the, the, the pharaohs. Um, and uh, we, you know, we were read maybe about her story and so forth and think, you know, that's kind of uh, something I can relate to myself as happening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So then we go to, um, we look at the, the Roman Empire, you know, which we're looking at really a very high time around 200 AD, you know, the beginning in 200 AD, and then starting to fall back down at 200. And you'll see that it starts becoming, well, Constantine came in, it was essentially overtaken by Christianity and on its descendant, which is interesting. Yeah. Because it would appear that, Christianity was born on a descending pattern. That's a good point. Yeah, certainly it became dominating in the Roman Empire on that downfall, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was just noticing that and just, I was just looking at dates and putting things together. I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> it, it, it is. And you might say uh, Christianity initiates the Dark Ages that came yes. out of it. Yes, and many would say that that, that was the case. Uh, yeah. There was such brutality that yeah. followed that. And now I want to hop forward. Okay, so one thing you state in here is that while these waves may come to an end numerically, it doesn't mean that the population that's been steeped in it ceases to exist. So the populations continue on and either can be absolutely shattered at having to let go of the known or there is a kind of 
maturity and grace that happens that allows them to continue taking this on and forward into higher understandings. Can you give us any examples of where a population continued on? Well, uh, uh, the, the, I would say that uh, uh, the most clear example would probably be, be the medieval Europe. So uh, when this peak starts, uh, the, the sixth peak of the, the seven major peaks there, the sixth peaks then, uh, that's kind of when uh, what's called the Holy Roman Germ uh, Holy Roman Empire was founded. It really was centered in in Germany, and and the, it was a German Otto the first who became the first emperor of this particular uh, um, uh, 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 empire. But then, when when that comes to an end, which happens twelve twenty three A.D., it's not a complete destruction. It's just what we would call more or less a preparation going on for the next uh, uh, expression of, of European power that comes in the final and seventh. So it's not a complete, but it's hard times. And, they, you know, whether we, we have read about the Black Death, that's part of that particular uh, uh, downturn. Uh, but, but, you know, they still build big cathedrals, if that's uh, any... Uh, that, Impressive, yeah. if nothing else, in the in that particular time, that particular era of that night, so to speak. And this is what you just read up is important because you have stated that oftentimes very large pandemic cycles do occur when we're on the descendant in these periods. Um, historically, um, what other what other patterns have you seen in terms of pandemics? And then an anomaly seems to be kind of the Spanish flu. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, point. yes, absolutely. That's a good point. So an anomaly is the Spanish flu. But the, I think the, the, the biggest ones, the, the biggest pandemics, and then we're talking about real pandemics where we're like the Black Death in Europe that yes. maybe 30, 50% of the population would pass away. There was also a very significant called the Justinian Death that was in the East Roman Empire in 541 um, AD. And, and I, that's something like that, 50% or something like that. And then not to forget uh, uh, the, the enormous uh, pandemics that uh, the, the Native American populations became the victims of. Yes. Uh, especially in Mexico and, and North America and uh, wherever Europeans came. Um, and mostly, well, we don't really know, but mostly these were smallpoxes and, and so forth. And that's huge pro proportions of the populations that would succumb to, the, to those particular things. And all of these came to, um, to be in, in dark periods, in downturns, so to speak. But, you know, history is also full of uh, exceptions. It's not an easy straight line. And one of those would be the Spanish flu in 1918 after the World War I. Yeah, I just brought that in because you don't see that indicated in that kind of sine wave. Um, and so now we get to the um, rise of the British and American empires. Okay? Yes. And let's look at that toward the end of this graph, as we can see. And we can see where we are right now, which is more than past that halfway line on the decline. Yes. Let's talk about how that shows itself, combine a potential pandemic in it, and let's get to where we are right now. Yeah, well, so it's, it's fairly clear that, you know, the, this, the, the last of these seven uh, peaks, it, it starts with the time when the British Empire becomes. There was something called the unification of the crowns that unified Scotland, England, and Ireland at that time, which was in 1603. And then they started to, that's when they started to found their first colonies. It would be one place in India in 1615. And then the, you know, after Jamestown in, in Virginia came the, uh, the 
Plymouth Bay in, in Massachusetts in 1620. And then from that point on, for, for almost 400 years, that became the starting point of a Western dominance of the world. And today, you know, most people that grew up today think maybe that's something that's normal and always been like that, but it certainly wasn't like that before this final uh, peak uh, came about. And um, now uh, we are that whole period has changed. And uh, it is like, you know, if, if you look upon our minds as being created by resonance with these kind of waves that we're downloading from the cosmic, cosmic center, there was a shift in that in 60, sorry, in, in 2011. So the quantum state within which, the state of consciousness within which we understand reality changed that. Not like overnight, it's a long period. We're talking about baktuns, as you mentioned, which are almost 400 years. But it's a beginning of a shift. And... Um, that has changed the mindset of, of, of people, um, you know, maybe most markedly in exactly the Western, uh, dominating Western powers in the United States and, and the UK. And, uh, but, but of course, what that particular uh, last, the, the civilization created by British Empire and, and the American follow-up to it, um, um, created was a global civilization for the first time in human history, you might say. And so what this means is that uh, even though I would say that the, the Eastern, the Asian countries today are much more stable than the, politically speaking, than, than, the, 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 uh, uh, than the Western, we're all in it together in a certain sense. Yeah. It's interesting yes. because that age that was given birth to, that gave, gave rise to um, the British Empire and then the expansion of America, the rise of America, also brought in um, industrialization, scientific materialism to the max. Yeah. Um, now we're moving into um, colonial, colonialism, okay? And not the colonial, it's not the first time the colonialism has appeared, but everything was based upon it. And also now we've become not just a bureaucracy, a technocracy. And so we're talking about really the dominance of the left brain in the rise of these cultures and that the type of consciousness that feeds rational thinking and moves away from the more intuitive, organic processes of mind which is what the native people around the planet aboriginal peoples around the planet had always relied on a combination of the two and we literally threw away the functionally speaking uh, the creative right brain functioning to be able to serve the master we created in these civilizations Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's a big, in a sense, that's why the, the, the indigenous peoples were often conquered. But it's, it's another aspect also. It is, as you're saying, this, this sort of uh, rational, analytical, left brain uh, uh, mindset that came with this particular quantum state. But it's, the, the thing about that is that it also is a, a quantum state of duality. In other words, the, West, the left brain half dominates the right brain half. And that duality has pre created a world uh, where some dominate the others. Uh, I mean, if this is not new 400 years ago, the whole 5,000 years of, of human history is basically based on that uh, quantum state of duality where the left brain half uh, dominates the right brain half. And uh, this has had enormous consequences. And that's really what you would call a patriarchal civilization. That's what it's, it's about. And then what that means is that Throughout these time periods, the negative aspects of it, 
The positive aspects of it is that there is an analytical ability that allows people to, you know, create the inventions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the negative aspect of it is that if we're downloading that kind of a duality that fa where the light is on the left brain half, the darkness is, is on the right brain half, then we will project that duality onto ourselves, but also most importantly on other people and on nature. In other words, we will think that systems of governance that are based on dominance are natural which is, wasn't the case before, and it's not part, part of the indigenous peoples of, of, of the planet, essentially. I don't know. I mean, it's changed. Everybody has, to some extent, incorporated this kind of a, a perception of the world. But then you, it, it becomes, you know, if you walk around without knowing yourself in a quantum state with a duality of mind, it means you will project, oh, these are the good ones and those are the bad ones. The bad ones are the ones you see through the dark field of your perception. And it also creates this whole, uh, you know, you may actually look upon yourself through that kind of duality, which fosters a kind of a judgmental, uh, attitude towards yourself and to nature you know it's like yes we are here to dominate nature and i'm not saying that this doesn't have a place it had a place because that's where where civilization has taken us but we should absolutely be aware of the downside of that this particular quantum state of of, of looking through reality Yes, and now we get back to what I spoke to and touched on earlier, which has to do with when a, you're on a descending pattern. In this case, we're on a descending pattern that's had to do with duality, scientific materialism, uh, materialism, colonialism, industrialization, all the things we've really come to detest on a personal level, oftentimes as human beings. These are things that served us in terms of being able to get our stuff mailed to us, you know, from Amazon, but these aren't things that have served the soul that well. And we're many, many people watching this have already recognized that we're we're at that place. But what's happening alongside it is this uh, this phenomena you spoke about in the article, where now anxiety. You can see that you're not you're you're not getting the whole story. You can feel that you're not tapping into the whole truth, and we're on a descending plane of consciousness, which starts fostering suspicion, fear, and these things start giving rise to the notion of conspiracy. And because we're so entrenched in conspiracy right now, you have one channel over here saying this, another channel over here saying this. You have Russian operatives pretending to be American and British information sources saying this, and everybody hopping onto their little piece of the pie and holding on to a sense of self-righteousness that their part is right. And so let's talk about what has given rise to that, because it's yeah. fascinating to watch. It is, and it's sort of, it's so much happening right now, or it's becoming so evident right now. And so, uh, it, it, even though it's one wave, we already talked about Quetzalcoatl being the quantum state of the, you know, their symbol of the quantum state of the peak, and Tezcatlipoca being their symbol of the quantum state of the, of the valley. Uh, it still was a shift in, in the dominating uh, quantum state from Quetzalcoatl to Tezcatlipoca in the year 2011. And that has had enormous consequences because, you know, you and I, we grow up entirely within the Quetzalcoatl uh, 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 quantum state and, and thought, well, we... we Based on that, we said, well, I'm a left-wing, or I'm right-wing, or I'm, I believe in this or that, and things were sort of within a fairly narrow framework, even if there were dissonances or divergences in how we looked. But then came this from 
and, and here it comes back to this fact that we don't have that worldview where we can imagine that history goes up and down. So people are not even aware that they took a, that there was a shift in consciousness happening in 2011. And for that reason, but they sense it. They sense it. Something here is influencing me. Something here is controlling me. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they, just because we've gone through that kind of a shift, we do become aware that we've gone through uh, uh, something outside our, ourselves are controlling us. Uh, and there is a truth to that, uh, except that it's much better if you know that that has happened, because then you will maybe be able to regain your compass and feel what is the best, best way of, of dealing with this particular um, uh, situation. So from that, from that feeling, and, and it might even be, you know, fearful, the fact that there is something in the, actually in the cosmos center that controls how I perceive reality. Um, you know, if you're a big ego, you, that will really take you, to, not to, 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 be, to accept something like that. But, you know, to most people, it's easier to say, oh, it must be that uh, uh, mega uh, uh, controller somewhere that's uh, creating this uh, pandemic or and, uh, you know, all kinds of conspiracy theories based on the idea that there are, are, are that history, it's almost like they believe that history is driven by, uh, what should we say, multi-oligarchs or something like that. And, and I'm not saying that there are not multi-oligarchs out there to take advantage of the situation. Well, certainly there are, yes. You bet. <laughs> we, we know that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they drive the, the, the evolution of history. Exactly, exactly. They're fitting into what we are unconscious of. Yes, I mean, that's perfectly put. And here, as you, as you hear all of the debate going on, is this, you know, do we have, from people saying there's, it's a fake virus, there's no virus at all, to people saying, yeah, there's a virus, but it's not real, because it's not natural, because it escaped from a lab, um, to no, it's something that jumped from, you know, a rat or a bat or something. Everybody's got their theories on it, mm -hmm. of what it is. But one thing for sure, it has changed our way of life, whether it is, whether it isn't. Yes. It doesn't matter. And would you say, looking at the stage of consciousness that we're in, that this was supposed, that in essence, essentially, this would have been a totally appropriate thing to happen, to stun everything stun all the systems around the world at this time to stop everything for a moment for a pulse is there a place for that in this wave well uh, i would say that uh, i think quite a few people actually had some kind of a sense that something like this would happen yeah uh, i did i yeah. felt very strongly mm -hmm. I, I i would think so too and uh, you know, the first thing that I did when I moved to New Mexico uh, from Seattle uh, was to, you know, start to do a garden. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know. And you and me both. <laughs> so I, I expected that immediately, something much more earlier to have happened, like me 2012 too. or something like that. And then it didn't. Yes. I and think that uh, caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. There was a feeling that the time was already ripe for that. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And I think that itself created a kind of cognitive dissonance in those people who are sensitive and tuned in to the energies. Like, what stopped it? It appears there was a lot of manipulation at very many levels yeah. to stop this thing because a way of life would start drawing to a close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you know it might have been that they printed a lot of money and then yeah. they 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 sort of artificially. I've talked to economists that could uh, agree with that, and and uh, but it was also something that um, 
is actually an H-wave phenomenon, the, the emergence of the, the, the mega uh, digital corporations, all of these that have sort of prolonged what otherwise properly would have uh, been a downturn happening a yes. couple of years. So I think a lot of people had the correct intuition, including myself, but I, I, at that point I wasn't sure about when it would happen, and, and now it's happening. So what, 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 what I'm saying through this is that it's not um, the, the thought that something like this would happen is not far-fetched. No, not at all. And I think the primary thing, again, going back to consciousness, is how we're going to engage with it. It's been interesting because in our old way of life, which was two months ago. <laughs> right. You re do you remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. In the old way, you'd go out to a cafe and you'd see a family of people sitting there together on their iPhones. Everybody yeah. texting yeah. someone else, using yeah. right. any messages, totally disconnected while together physically. Right. And now people are apart physically, but I have to say, I personally have never seen people take more time and effort to be connected with family and friends, even though now they're having to do it virtually for the moment, although that's changing by the moment, as we can yeah. see around yeah. the world. And so on a heart level, people started choosing to connect in a more meaningful way. Yeah. Technology, which is an interesting kind of confluence of the times. Um, technology yeah. taking us to deeper connection, which ideally it should, it should yeah. be used for that. Yeah. So the point now is you, you state in your book and you state also um, in this, this amazing article that you sent to me that this is all leading towards something because you'd look at it and say, oh, crap. How come I chose to incarnate on a down cycle? <laughs> well, first of all, what, what advice did I have? <laughs> it's like we've done it before. Okay, we've all died before. Okay, it's yeah. it's Debbie Depending if you believe that way, but yeah, it, we've we've been through this before as a civilization, and likely each of us as individuals. So, okay. Things come, things go, we rise and fall. But you'd say, gosh, this is really looking kind of ugly. Um, you know, what's the point to rise and fall, rise and fall? But it all is leading towards something that is a very beautiful possibility and has been very difficult to achieve here on earth. And that is what you call really moving toward unity consciousness and we have to remember it's not the oligarchs with the power it's each soul on this earth taking their own power through their own intention of what they're choosing to connect with and live into so please explain to us what the possibility of yeah. the times is leading us to yeah so in a sense you know you you have these uh, from ancient times so you have these ideas that uh, there are downturns uh, you know that you have the the god Shiva in India, who was both the creator and the destroyer, and he was destroying in order to create the space for something new to be created. Basically, he wasn't just destroying for for the fun of destructivity. And in in a sense, then you might say that you know the 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 current quantum state that we are in on the sixth level. And if people think this is complicated, I understand that. That's why I write my books. Right. But, but uh, uh, it, it, still, I will talk about it uh, as, as straight as I can. That on that level, it is, an, it is an equalization taking place. You know, this. I talked about how this duality of the sixth wave by humans projecting that came to think that slavery was a natural thing because their mindset was completely dominated by that control, dominance, so forth. Uh, but now that has shifted into, a, it's a dark age, yes, on that level, but it's an equal, equally dark on both sides. And so there will be a suppression of, of forms of dominance that, that have uh, uh, dominated the planet for a long time. And then on top of this, there are other waves, the, the seventh wave, the eighth wave, and finally the, the ninth wave. 
and they all have carry their own uh, quantum states. And especially then the ninth wave is one where there is no veils. So there's no projection of darkness onto others or yourself, really. And that is the real, I'm, I'm convinced that that's really, to that state of consciousness is where humanity is meant to go. And, but, but also that it won't happen automatically. And, and so I'm calling for uh, anyone uh, interested in this or, or maybe feeling called to it to, to work towards a new kind of uh, spiritual path that is not just individual. In, in, a, in other words, it's, it's not about each one of us having our individual paths. We will have to f develop a we path uh, for the future. And that won't happen automatically, I think. But I'm, I, I'm sure that the ninth wave holds that particular uh, uh, possibility. And uh, that, from that perspective of looking at reality without any veils, it just means a completely different way of relating to others and to nature, and it would mean really a new beginning to, uh, to, to uh, attain that kind of a state as a permanent thing. Absolutely. As it is, people so often talk about unity consciousness, but don't really take the time to delve into what that requires of us. And now it's actually required of us um, in a very clear and stark way. It's required of us. Yeah. Now it's going to look very different for each person. Um, I see people who are living in fear. They're afraid to go out of their homes. They're afraid of potential vaccines that are going to be forced upon them or mandated, which is, you know, I get that. Um, but nonetheless, for all these different things, they're afraid that the person next to them in line is going to infect them. And li literally living in fear and watching conspiracy stories all day long about who's out to get them. And that is one reality. And it is a very, it's, a, it's kind of, I think, an isolating, sad and dark way to live. It's not how I choose to live. I mean, I think of today, today <laughs> and i'm in california and you know we're in an area that's not super dense in population but nonetheless outside of sacramento in the foothills of the sierra nevada and so today i went to the gardening store and got some supplies and trader joe's and whole foods came home gave my husband a haircut wrote my script so that i could meet with you right now you know and i have other meetings this afternoon life goes on and it's yeah. not like I'm being careless. I'm doing my, you know, mm -hmm. being polite. I'm not sneezing on every, anyone. Social distancing. Everyone has to contend with this in the way I think their intuition is telling them. And so here people are being considerate. I wouldn't say overly cautious, but cautious. Life is moving on. Things are opening up. Freeway traffic is picking back up again at this point. Here we are doing this in early May 2020 when they haven't announced official openings, but people are opening up. They're starting to feel this. And so for me, I have already more than a dozen zucchini. <laughs> They'll be ready to eat. Yeah. You know, the garden's growing. And it's actually another kind of beautiful springtime without to, without fooling myself that on the external material world, it's going to be very different beginning this summer and forward. So how can we do this together? That's the question. How do we share with one another? I mean, we're already starting to do that. One person goes yeah. to the store for two or three other people. The other one makes a run another day. Someone bakes, you know, and shares yeah. with someone else. And it's so much, to me, so much more beautiful organic way of living than what we've been doing i don't Wonderful. know yeah, how yeah. do you feel about the time for you well uh, you know i saw some facebook page called the kindness pandemic yes <laughs> i saw and, that i love it oh yeah uh, yes and uh, there there is something to that uh you know it, Things have slowed down, and that's exactly what you would expect from a downturn in, in these waves. I've been saying that for 20 years. Yes. That, that, that's what, that's what, what's, what's happening. Things are literally slowing down. And 
you know, it does allow for us to to express kindness in in a way that we normally wouldn't be doing in that if we were forced forward by the um, um, peak uh, state, so to speak, where, where people are much more active and forward-moving uh, uh, and so forth. So, um, th- th- you know, that, that is a, it, that's really a possibility for everyone always. It's just that normally we have not been thinking about kindness even. Uh, right. Of it. And, and that's really, it comes a very long way. Um, then, you know, in, um, um, yeah, then, you know, I'm, I'm, for the moment I'm working with preparing an event or a digital event uh, together with uh, Patricia Albera, whom I think is one who has developed a, a, a we path so to speak, rather than a me path. And yes. We'll have that on June 6th. And, and so, so I'm doing like this and these kind of things. It's, uh, I'm a little bit bored, I must admit that, but uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what happens. Well, that's what happens when things slow down unexpectedly. In fact, grind yeah. to a halt. Yeah, I'm not the only one. <laughs> You're not the only one. I think most people are experiencing that. And, you know, the other thing you're talking about, kindness, what this uh, time is going to require is generosity. Um, I'm living in a place where I have a little garden and I'm pretty safe. Um, There are people living in places that aren't safe, that don't have food supplies and don't have money and don't have food right now. That is genuine suffering. And so it is going to take, we can't look to these patriarchal institutions no. that have dominated for so long that we literally need to, to allow to commit suicide. The, these, yeah. the system has to commit suicide, so to speak. Just let it run its course. It isn't going to be there for us for the most part. It's already proven that. It's mm-hmm. only said itself. It's continued to serve the patriarchy and the wealthiest in the world. So yeah. that's not there, meaning who's going to do it? We have to do it for one well another. Said. We have to be generous and kind and help one another now. And we haven't had to do that for a long time, you know, probably yeah. not since a wartime or right. something. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I see this as a chance really for us to start bringing about much higher virtues in ourselves than we've been digging into for quite a long time. And there's so much more to this conversation. I have to say, Carl, uh, Barbara Hanclaw is a good friend of mine. We, yeah. we see each other now yeah. and then. And yeah, and she just has, has always had such incredibly complimentary things to say about you. And uh, I, I, I appreciate as the years go on now, really what times you were born for. You were born for right now. <laughs> and and the way yeah, yeah. the way I see it is, I created a graphic for this, which we can put up here, and you can take a look at. And mm-hmm. in this graphic, it's flipping that pyramid that David Icke and so many other people have talked about for years. You know, the pyramid with the one percent at the top yeah, yeah. ruling yeah. many. I'm saying no. I'm done with that pyramid. We have to invert the pyramid. All of the beauty of humanity is at the top. And down at the bottom is the pathetic, kind of <laughs> dying, patriarchal, 1% and system that is literally crumbling before our eyes. Even if the perception is it has control over us, it's dying. I think we have to keep that in mind. Wonderfully said. Yeah. So we have to give birth to the new thing. And I love it. Tell us a little bit more about your event and tell us the best way to uh, check in with you and the event in terms of websites, et cetera. Yeah, okay. So we haven't really, we, it's coming 6th of June. Um, it's about finding unity from the, through the ninth wave. Uh, and so it's really sort of a practical thing about getting into that state of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, not just like I mostly do talk about it. And uh, uh, but then uh, it, my my webpage is kaleman.com, c a l l e m a n dot com, and uh, I also have a couple of uh, Facebook pages, but. Um, there you can find, you can also find a calculator there from which you can follow the ninth wave and, uh, and, and you, you can find my books, which are also on Amazon and everywhere else where you buy books. 
That sounds good. Well, we're going to pick this conversation up because we've kind of, we've dipped in to a certain extent, but we're going to go even deeper into some of this phenomena in my next conversation with you that will happen at Gaia and will be seen later on this summer. I think the, the producer is still trying to get hold of you to arrange the exact date. So okay. I'll very much look forward to seeing you in person again, Carl. And until then, good luck on your June 6th event. Thank you for taking the time. And I'm just so grateful that you've done this work to put a higher perspective to all of it, because that is the calming influence as far as I'm concerned, is to know it's not for not. <laughs> We're not suffering needlessly. <laughs> okay. Thank, Thank you so much, Regina. Thank you. I Thank enjoyed you. it. Again, everybody, uh, you can go to Coleman.com, and then we're talking about Nine Waves of Creation as the book that's really relevant to what's happening right now, and that we'll be continuing our conversation uh, on, again, a little later on this summer. So until next time, thank you so much for joining us here at ReginaMeredith.com. <laughs>